The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, if you like the content on this episode today, I want you to go and click the subscribe button to make sure that you get all of our future episodes as well, because we're putting out these episodes multiple multiple times a week to make sure that we help you get into the top investment banks in the world. Okay, today I want to talk about uh, the most common mistakes that we see when students are trying to answer three statement questions. Okay, by three statement questions, we're talking about the three financial statements. Most of you should know what that is already. If you don't, uh, it's basically when an investment banker is testing you on your accounting knowledge, okay? And the three financial statements are the income statement, the cash flow statement, and the balance sheet, okay? So um, these are very common questions that you're going to get in technical interviews because uh, accounting and the three financial statements in general or knowing how to read the three statements, that's the foundation to everything else you need to do as far as technical interviews go. Right? Like you, if you don't know the three statements, you're not going to be able to know valuation methodologies. If you don't know the three statements, you're not going to understand merger math. If you don't know the three statements, you certainly can't do uh, leverage buyouts or LBO models, right? And so what are the three most common mistakes? Well, so um, the tricky part about the three statement questions is that uh, they typically want you to talk about the impact on all three statements, right? And one of the most common mistakes that we see actually is that a lot of students will only talk about the balance sheet. Okay. And the reason why they'll only talk about the balance sheet is because when they were in uh, accounting and school, they were taking an accounting class. Um, the balance sheet was what the teacher focused on, right? What your professor was mostly talking about. It's like, you're learning how to do uh, debits and credits. You're learning how to key ledger balances. So you'll say, Oh, well, when this type of transaction happens, you know, you debit cash credit inventory or you, uh, you know, um, debit ca- uh, cash and uh, credit accounts receivables, right? Like, so that's how you're wired to talk about this stuff just from the schooling that you received. But in reality, that's actually how accountants typically talk about accounting. It's not how investment bankers talk about accounting. So if you want to be an investment banker, you're going to have to speak the investment banker's language, okay? So um, that's the first mistake is only talking about the balance sheet and using terms like debit this and credit that, like no debits and credits, okay? That's not what they're looking for in these types of uh, answers. Second thing is, somewhat related to that, not addressing every single part of the transaction, right? So for example, some of these three statement questions are actually multi-step questions, okay? So they might seem like it's just one business transaction, but One business transaction can have like basically multiple downstream effects on the financial statement. So for example, they might say, hey, what happens uh, if you buy a piece of equipment for $100, right? The most obvious uh, example or the most obvious part of the answer to that is, oh, you know, cash is going to go down by 100 and your planned property and equipment is going to go up by 100 because that's that's, that's how much you bought the equipment for. Right. But there's actually second order and uh, third order consequences to that. Right. Like once you buy 
the equipment, what they're also testing for is like, do you know that in the future years, you're going to have to depreciate this, this piece of equipment, right? So uh, in, in year zero at the time of the purchase, yeah, it's just cash going in uh, or sorry, cash going out and equipment coming in, right? Then after the first year, you know, you use part of the equipment, you actually have to depreciate it uh, based on well, whatever the useful life is, right? If the useful life to the equipment is 10 years, then you would depreciate it, you know, one-tenth at a time, right? So if it's $100 after a year, you're going to depreciate $10 of it. So next year, depreciation can go up by $10. PPA is going to go down by $10. And then how does that flow through all, all three statements, right? That's actually like an easier example, like $10 of depreciation flowing through the statements is like the classic three-statement question that everyone should know how to answer at this point. Um, but it could get much more complicated than that, right? They could also say, let's say you take on debt, to buy a piece of equipment. Now they're adding a wrinkle to it, but you have to specifically address the fact that they're using debt to buy this piece of equipment. Right now, if they use debt, uh, that's gonna affect the cash flow from financing section. And also, it's gonna affect your interest expense on the income statement on top of everything else we already talked about, such as depreciating the asset, right? So making sure you really address every single part of the transaction and cover all the moving pieces is really, really important. Okay, and then that, that leads me to my third point, which is actually kind of related. So like a lot of people say, well, how do you do that? How do I make sure that you know I'm addressing every single piece of the transaction? Well, it could be hard and most people are not good at this because they don't have like a framework for how they answer these questions and they're not staying organized, right? So um, the way we recommend answering these questions is to do it in a flow that makes sense, okay? So what does that mean? That means that typically, we always want to start from the income statement, okay? Regardless of whether it actually affects the income statement or not, because some transactions actually don't affect the income statement. But if it affects, uh, even if it doesn't affect the income statement, we always start from the income statement and just say, you know, there's no changes to the income statement. That way you're telling the banker that you know that there's no changes to the income statement. It's not just because you forgot about the income statement, right? Um, so you always start with the income statement. Then you go to the cash flow statement. And then we always do the balance sheet last. Okay, um, and the reason why we do that is because if you go down the income statement, you're starting from revenue and you're subtracting all the expenses and you're getting to net income, that's the last item on the income statement, right? But the last item on the income statement actually becomes the first item on the cash flow statement um, because net income is the first on the cash flow statement, right? Then from there, you make all the adjustments to the, all the cash inflows and outflows during the period and then that gets you all the way down to the last line of the cash flow statement, which is the net change in cash. How much did the cash balance increase or decrease by during this period of time? And guess what that does? That gives you the first line on the balance sheet, right? And the first line on the balance sheet is your cash balance. So if you just calculated the change in cash balance and you know what your previous cash balance is, now you can calculate what the, the, the new cash balance is for the current period ending balance sheet, right? Then you work your way down the balance sheet. And then the last thing you do, the, the reason we do the balance sheet last is because then you can see whether the balance sheet actually balances, right? You need your assets to equal to your liabilities plus your shareholders' equity. So if after you've taken all of your transactions into account, your balance sheet doesn't balance, then you know you made a mistake. So the balance sheet doing it last, it's almost kind of like a check for you know whether you missed a step in, the, in between or something. Because if you did, I guarantee you it's not going to balance. Okay, if you if it does balance. Uh, it does, still doesn't 100% mean that you didn't miss anything, but more often than not, most likely you didn't miss anything, okay? Um, and then I'll give you a fourth bonus one. A last um, last mistake that we see a lot is just 
not asking questions about the missing information, right? So sometimes the banker will deliberately give you incomplete information because they want to see if you truly understand this thing conceptually, right? If you understand uh, the three statements conceptually, you will know how to ask the right questions. You will know what's missing. You'll ask them for certain things. Like for example, uh, to calculate net income, you need the tax rate. Maybe they deliberately didn't tell you the tax rate, right? Or maybe to flow the depreciation through the three statements, you need to know the useful life of the piece of equipment that you bought. And they didn't give that to you, so you have to ask for that. Don't just assume things, right? If they didn't give you an assumption, don't just assume that it doesn't exist or don't just assume your own number for it. Um, ask the interviewer what you should assume for it, okay? Because that's part of what they're testing on, okay? So anyway, hopefully that helps you. Those are the four most common mistakes that we see with three statement questions. And uh, if you make sure that you avoid these four mistakes, you'll be well on your way, okay? Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.